I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Researchers at UCLA have developed a stem cell gene therapy treatment for children born with the rare, life-threatening condition, ADA-deficient SCID, often referred to as bubble baby disease. Children born with this condition are without a functioning immune system and are kept in controlled and isolated environments because exposure to common illness or infection can be lethal. We spoke to the treatment's developer, Dr. Donald Cohn of the UCLA Eli and Edith Broad Center of Regenerative Medicine, about the stem cell gene therapy, the promising results he's had restoring normal immune function in clinical trial patients, and why this approach holds promise in other rare conditions. Don, thanks for joining us. Glad to. Thanks for talking to me. We're going to talk about a rare and fatal condition known as ADA skid or bubble baby disease, the potential cure you've developed with a stem cell gene therapy, and the implications for using this approach on other diseases. Let's start with ADA SID itself. What is it, and what's the prognosis for someone who has this condition? Yeah, good question. So SCID as a, a severe combined immune deficiency is a, actually a group of genetic diseases where babies are born without a functioning immune system. And we actually know 20 or more genes that can give that same clinical picture, um, and one of which, and the first one that was identified as a cause, is a gene called ADA or adenosine deaminase. And ADA, is, a, is this an enzyme? Yeah, so ADA is an enzyme in the purine metabolic pathway. So it's involved in breaking down DNA metabolites. And it turns out no one would have thought about this a priori, but if you're missing that enzyme, its substrate builds up, especially in, in T cells and B cells, and poisons them. And so you get sort of accumulation of the substrate in the absence of its enzyme. And it's particular, although this enzyme is expressed in every cell in the body, the toxicity is primarily to the immune cells of, of the blood system, so T cells, B cells, natural killer cells. So what happens if a child is born with this? So before there were any treatments, and so for, you know, presumably there had been babies being born with this for, forever, it, it's a fatal disease. And so without an immune system, once the babies get out into the world and start encountering the normal germs and viruses that we live in, they can't fight it off and typically would get a, a fatal viral or, or bacterial or fungal infection and not make it to the first year of life. And are, today, are they mostly kept in isolation or through existing treatments? Are they able to interact with the world, as it were? Right. So it was sort of recognized. SCID as an entity was recognized sort of in the late 60s. And there was a, a bone marrow transplant done for a first patient then. And the, 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 the name Bubble Boy is because there was a boy born with this disease in the early 70s and did not have a matched donor in the family. And so they put him in a protective, sterile environment to keep him away from germs. And he grew and he, he made it to in his young teens. So he was living in a, a, a sterile environment. And it was, you know, a lot of discussion in the, in the popular literature about you know, where is humanity gone that we're keeping people alive in bubbles? Is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? 
Uh, so that's where the, the name came from. Nowadays, almost everyone who has this disease will, will have a, a transplant of bone marrow from either a healthy brother or sister if they have one, or if not, in the past, we had to use someone to be the donor who wasn't a good match, like either a parent or an unrelated person, and those transplants were less successful. I, 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 don't, I don't know if it shows my age, but I think the term was popularized in part by a John Travolta film made for TV. Right. Um, right. So the John Travolta film was a dramatization of this, this boy from Texas. And, and there have been other representations of it in popular literature. There's a Seinfeld episode where George gets into an argument with a bubble boy and rips his bubble. And um, there was a movie more recently, Bubble Boy, right. um, that was, you know, sort of a silly movie. But not, not so it, it, that, that's where it comes from. But it's obviously, you know, a very serious disease for, so, this, for so, those who are affected. So patients have essentially had this choice between a, a bone arrow transplant and an enzyme therapy treatment, which is a, a chronic treatment. How, how have these worked and, and why are they not enough? Right. So um, bone marrow transplant, uh, again, if there's a brother or sister who's a perfect match, you, there's a very high success rate of taking bone marrow from the healthy donor and giving it to the skid patient, and the cells will take in their body and generate a new immune system. The problem is that if the donor isn't as good of a match, you can have the, the graft could actually react against so that the T cells coming from the donor with the bone marrow can react against the new body they're in. So we call that graft versus host disease. The grafted cells think that the body they're in now is, you know, some foreign invader and attack it. And so then you need to give immune suppressive drugs. There's risks of infections. So that's why the results are less good with not perfectly matched donors. Um, and so, you know, there might be a 20, 30 percent mortality shortly after the transplant from those complications with a less well-matched donor. And so that's why that, but when it works, it can restore immunity completely. Um, and the enzyme therapy was developed, ADA is an enzyme, and it can be replaced as injections of an enzyme. And so a drug was developed in the late 80s, approved by the FDA as an orphan drug in 1990. That's bovine ADA enzyme conjugated to polyethylene glycol, which makes it circulate longer in the bloodstream. And so intramuscular shots twice a week can lead to enough of that enzyme circulating to partially break down the bad metabolite. And, and, and it, is it humanized? Or, sorry? Is the hormone humanized in any way? Is there any any reaction to the enzyme? That Well, uh, fortunately in this setting, because the patients have skid before they encounter it, they aren't able to react against it. So, And then as their immune system develops, it develops in the presence of this so they, you know, they appear to become tolerant, and so immune responses for for this has haven't been a major problem. But it, it's not as effective as a transplant. So the enzyme is mainly in the plasma compartment; it doesn't get into the thymus or the lymph nodes. And so the immunity initially it, it rebounds moderately, but in the long term, you know, five, ten, fifteen years, the immunity is subnormal. There there is probably you know eighty to a hundred patients who have been on chronic enzyme therapy and are doing okay, but there, there's a slow attrition with, with their poor immunity of them getting infections or other problems. So it, it's, it's good, but it's, you know, it's, it's not at all perfect in some ways. You've just completed a phase two clinical trial of a stem cell gene therapy involving nine babies and one teenager with a condition. Rather than using a donor's bone marrow, you use stem cells from each patient's own marrow. Can, can you explain what exactly you did? 
That's right. So it's a it's a, a patient specific cell therapy. So for each one of the patients, they go. We we take them to the operating room, and while they're asleep, collect some bone marrow from the back of their pelvic bone, and then the bone marrow is taken from the hospital over to the building that has the, the clean rooms, the GMP laboratory, where we process the bone marrow to isolate the blood-forming or hematopoietic stem cells. And those are then cultured in medium with some growth factors to make the cells activated. And then we have a virus that carries a normal human ADA gene into the stem cells. And it actually, it's a retrovirus, so it actually integrates that gene into the chromosome of most of the stem cells we have in culture, which are then the day, a day later are washed and put into a syringe and walked back to the hospital and injected into the bloodstream of the patients. The, the results have been very encouraging. What, what exactly were they? So in, in the study that was recently published, we, as you said, we treated um, nine um, infants and, and one 15-year-old. The 15-year-old really didn't benefit much from it. He didn't, we, didn't, we didn't give very many cells from his bone marrow to begin with, and not very many of them took. So in fact, he had to go back on enzyme after about six months when it was clear that he had a, a sub-therapeutic effect. But the other nine who were treated anywhere from three months of age to I, I think the oldest was six or seven years old have all done well and have had sufficient immunity restored that none of them have needed to go back on enzyme and they've basically been healthy and growing. It's taken about 10 years to get to this point. What were the challenges in terms of getting the, the vector right, determining the needed manipulations to the stem cells and, and figuring out a pre-transplant conditioning you needed to do to the cells. Right. So it was all, you know, multiple steps. It's been more like, for me, almost 30 years of work. Um, and, you know, it was sort of an iterative process of, of making better vectors that worked in mouse models, that worked in human cells and culture, that worked then in, in large animal models to get the gene into more of the stem cells, to make more of the, express more of the ADA. Um, the conditioning a group in Milan pioneered giving sort of a reduced dose of chemotherapy just to make some space in the marrow, and that's that's worked very well. So we we followed their their approach to giving the the, the chemotherapy before the cells are transplanted back, and it's just been sort of iterative step by step. And you know the, the vector production methods have gotten better, the way we culture the stem cells has gotten better, and so you know in this phase two trial, you know I, I think we're, we're we have very nice results. The process, in essence, is rebuilding the immune system. How, how long does it take, and are the patients fully restored? Do we know anything about the durability of the treatment? Yeah, so the, the, the patients in this study uh, were treated between 2009 and 2012. And so the, the oldest one, I guess, is out eight years. And we've seen really complete stability. So over the first, it takes about three to six months for the, enough of the immune system cells to be made to get back functional immunity. And then once they reach that level, it's been stable out to the present time. And so of the nine patients, um, three of them have complete immunity working. So in fact, they no longer need to get antibody supplementation, which is sort of the, the highest bar is to get enough functioning B cells to make enough antibodies. Six of them still continue to need to get IVIG on a monthly basis, immunoglobulin replacement. Uh, because they don't, they're not fully restored for their B cell function. How does the treatment move forward as a, a therapy available to other patients with the condition? And is there some sort of regulatory process that you have to go through? And what would that look like? 
Right. So actually, after we did that trial, we switched to a different virus to deliver the, the, the ADA gene. So that study and the, and the one before it used a mouse retrovirus. And really, our group and most, much of the field has moved on to using HIV-based lentiviruses. So it's sort of a cousin virus. Um, and even though HIV sounds like it could be more of a risk, actually where those, where the HIV viruses go into the chromosome is probably safer. And so we've just completed an, another phase one trial using a lentiviral vector in, in 21 patients with the same disease and are seeing even better results. And so that's what we're now trying to take forward um, to try and get it approved as a drug. The the approach obviously avoids the problem of graft-first host disease that can occur when donated bone marrow is used. One risk, though, is what's known as insertional mutagenesis, where the integrated vector activates a, a host gene in proximity to a, a vector integration and can cause cancer. A any sense whether this is a risk at all in this treatment? Right. So, th so that's the issue of insertional oncogenesis has been a big issue in the field. You know, and sort of looking back at these 20 or 30 years, we sort of in the 90s, it wasn't working. In the 2000s, it started working, but in some trials, not for ADA, but for other immune deficiencies, some of the patients got leukemia from the virus. And this process is when, when we treat 10 million stem cells, each one of them, the virus goes into a different site in the chromosome. And occasionally, it is next to a cellular proto-oncogene. The virus can turn that on and lead to outgrowth of cells and ultimately progression to leukemia. That's, that's what these viruses do when they, in, in, in their wild-type host, like a newborn mice. And um, fortunately, that hasn't happened in any of the ADA skid patients with retroviruses, but, but we think there may be some risk. And so part of the reason to move away from the retro to the lentivirus, we think they're safer. Uh, they tend to integrate in safer places, and they don't carry the strong enhancer elements that retroviruses do that can turn on the nearby genes. So even if they happen to land next to one of these cell growth control genes, they're much less likely to turn it on. So we think that the lenti has a, has a significantly, really we couldn't measure in our preclinical tests any risks for insertional oncogenesis with it. And will there be an effort to commercialize the therapy? And, and if so, what would that look like? Would would you be seeking any kind of a commercial partner to do that? Would it be done through the hospital? Yeah, so the, so the new vector was co-developed by our group at UCLA and colleagues in London at uh, University College London, Great Ormond Street Hospital. And we have together now licensed it to a, a company, Orchard Therapeutics, and we're working with them to try and bring it to licensure. And then it would transfer out of our academic hands into their commercial hands for, for manufacturing. And so the, the drug that we're seeking approval for is the com combination of the stem cells with this vector in it. So it's a combined cell and gene therapy product. And the, the goal of working with Orchid is to get it through licensure so it can be available hopefully worldwide to patients with this need. Scientists often seem reticent to use the term cure. Is this considered a cure? Well, we, we are reticent. And I, I guess, you know, so far it looks very good for eight years, you know, we hope it's permanent, so we, we need to, you know, follow these patients their whole life. But, you know, the, the, the beauty of using stem cells is that they are lifelong and permanent, and so we, we hope that these are permanent cures. You are looking at similar therapeutic approaches to treat other rare 
monogenic diseases. What are you working on and how far along are you in, in that process? Yes, so we have another ongoing clinical trial for another rare primary immune deficiency, X-linked chronic granulomatous disease, XCGD, which is a, a, an immune de deficiency where the white blood cells can't kill bacteria. They're missing a protein involved in the bacterial killing process. And um, it can be treated with a bone marrow transplant and the same constraints. You, you ideally need a, a matched sibling donor, and the results are less good with unrelated donors. And so we, we've, we've had a trial funded by the California Institute for Regenerative Medicine that we're doing here at UCLA, at Boston Children's, and at the NIH Clinical Center through NIAID Institute. And now between the three sites, we've each treated one patient. So we've treated three patients in the last year or so. Same kind of approach, collecting stem cells in the laboratory using a lentiviral vector to add the gene that's defective in this disease and transplanting it back to the patients. Treated the, the, two patient, the first patient was treated in Boston a year and a half ago. Second treat, patient was treated at the NIH about nine months ago. And they've both been well since the time of transplant with no infections and a good number of corrected white cells. So it's, and we just treated the third patient here at UCLA two days ago. So Did I understand you're also working on sickle cell disease? Yes, and then and then the third trial that we're working on is, is sickle cell. Again, a similar approach with you know ex vivo delivery of the gene. In this case, you know they're not in sickle cell. It's not a, a deficiency. It's a mutation in, in beta globin. We have a, a virus carrying an altered version of beta globin that prevents sickling from occurring. It prevents the hemoglobin molecules from aggregating in the red cells, which is what leads to sickling. And um, so we, we have a trial that's also funded by CIRM um, for sickle cell disease. Dr. Donald Cohn of the Eli and Edith Broad Center for Regenerative Medicine and Stem Cell Research at UCLA. Don, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Nice talking to you. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.